Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Nick Dias. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, David. All right. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a co-founding partner and a partnerships director at Funkhouse, and we're a digital agency in downtown Los Angeles. Your listeners actually might know the name because a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed my one of my partners on the tech side, Drew Baker. Um, and yeah, so as partnerships director, I oversee all client new business, client relationships, and generally share with my partners a sort of managing director role of the office here in Los Angeles. Nice. Yeah. So after Drew was on the show, we were we were talking about you and, um, you know, part of the reason was I find that one of the most important things and almost one of the most overlooked things by a lot of developers is that um, a kind of service uh, sales um, partnership mentality. So mm. obviously, if uh, if anyone out there is a freelancer or a consultant or really um, kind of on their own, it's it's built into the job description. Like you need right. to go out and find people to help and you need to convince them that you're in a position to help them. And I think that's a lot more obvious. Uh, probably more of our listeners are not on their own or possibly not even working at an agency uh, like Funkhouse. Uh, they're probably in a company like like Disney or Farmers Insurance or Google or something like that. And I think it's a lot more difficult to think of serving people in the same way, like uh, like like pretending that you have clients or or that you have to sell yourself or or your services or anything like that. And I think that that's a mistake. I think it. I think this is one of those things that that permeates all levels of development. And if you ignore it, you're going to be a lot worse off. And if you are paying attention to it, you're going to be a lot better off. And so that's why I'm so, so, so excited to talk to you because this seems to be something that you know a lot about. But before we really get into it, how, you know, how did you get to where you are? What kind, what kind of, what did your path look like? That is, uh, I mean, I've had, so I graduated and out of school, I just started um, in a in a job out of Berkeley. I went to UC Berkeley, and sorry, I guess it's a big question, so I'm I'm backing it up. Let's back it up. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it, it's been uh, just thinking about like you know creating yourself as an entity. Um, you know, mine has been through a lot of different pieces, kind of coming together. But I, I studied an interdisciplinary mix of liberal arts in school, and I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And um, I thought I was going to graduate, maybe go into uh, law or art curation or art dealing. It was like, clearly I had, uh, some, some personality, different paths. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And, um, I got a job out of school that was with a startup out of Scandinavia that was small at the time and had just come over to the States and they gave young people way too much responsibility. I, I, I was one of the first hiring class there and got into a, a, a real heavy sales and management role. And this was, and, uh, um, was this, uh, this was a software startup? Yeah, it was a software startup, mm -hmm. software as a service. Um, and they had a couple different products. And I saw, you know, I, I was 
one of the things I was considering was business school. And I saw this as, as a way to actually get into the working world and get, in, get on the ground and actually get a business degree in, in the real world, essentially, because their promise was a high amount of growth and giving young people without a lot of experience opportunity. And so I started with them out of school and I spent about five years there. And in the course of that time, I ended up um, taking on a management role very quickly. And then so it sounds like you're pretty, pretty good at selling software then. Yeah, I was, I was good at selling software. I mean, for, for me, um, I, I guess I, I'm a people person and uh, I like you know, establishing relationships. And uh, that was, I guess, it came easy to me in terms of uh, the sale. Um, and mm -hmm. so uh, I was given the opportunity to open and, and run offices for them. So I opened an office in Philadelphia. Uh, and this is at the age of 21, um, I became a managing director and it's kind of expected to hire people 10 years, my elder. And it was mm. basically, I described it as entrepreneurship on a red carpet because it was an organization that really gave you the support system to figure it out and kind of run on enthusiasm and fail. And I think that mm. gave me confidence early to do that. And so I did it in Philly. I did it in New York, I opened an office for them in Argentina and, um, I ended up moving back to San Francisco five years in and just feeling like that world wasn't really satisfying my creative uh, side, which mm -hmm. I guess backing up even further, I grew up with artist parents and that's why I thought I might go into art dealing or art curation. And I'd always wanted that sort of creative element. And so mm -hmm. I, I found myself at a crossroads of, you know, where do I take my career? Started doing um, informational interviews and interviewing at different creative companies and couldn't quite figure out how to, transition into a company that was sort of that creative outlet for me. And I ended up meeting uh, Drew and our third partner, Dave, and they were essentially forming the first sort of iteration of Funk House in 2011. Dave was designing websites, Drew was building those websites. And um, I loved what they were doing. They were both impressive dudes to me. And I said, hey, uh, you know, I can speak creative and I can also speak the business side of this. Let me run client side for you. And um, took a pay cut, but really believed in it. And was like, <laughs> let's do this thing. And uh, a few months into it, I was like, guys, I want to build something with you. You got to make me a partner because, you know, hey, you need me bought in bigger than than what we're doing now. And that's how it all kind of started. So, nice. um, yeah, you know, it was organic in the way it came together, but it was like a really good juxtaposition of like my experience on the business side and my desire for the creative. And Funkhouse now is, you know, a digital agency kind of, speaks to both of those disciplines in a great way for me. And so I would say through all of this, you you definitely have a lot of experience that I think would be interesting to our, our listeners, right? Our listeners are often building the products that are being, being sold, being pitched, um, being marketed, and there probably isn't a lot of visibility to what they're doing um, looks like to other people in an organization. Do you Do you have a way of maybe kind of illustrating what the other side of, of a business looks like, either um, in your experience at a SaaS uh, trying to trying to sell what the engineers were building, or, or maybe even at uh, what it looks like at, at a place like Funkhouse, an agency? You know, I always think that being able to write down process and explain what you're doing is what makes something real. Um, mm. I to give you even I can more varied texture on my background in high school I 
I worked over summers for a private detective, a family friend who's <laughs> private detective. And wow. um, yeah, I, I give, I, I think this is important for kind of the sales context because like I was doing stuff for him where, you know, you would bend the rules of the adult world uh, in terms of, you know, being willing to call people up and ask them questions as he, as you know, a young man working for this private detective that you're like, wait, you can do this. You just call somebody up and ask them questions. I think it gave me sort of like the confidence to know that adult rules can be bent and that somebody before you has made this up. And so <laughs> Funk House, like when we created Funk House, like there's been new processes and new offerings and new things that we sell that have happened over the course of our existence. And the only reason that we're able to sell them or go out there and say, hey, this exists, sign on for it is I've just started by writing down what is the process, you know, like what is step one, two, three. And based on this, you know, what is the bottom line cost of this thing? All of a sudden you've manifested this idea as something real that can be shared with somebody else. So I, I give that backstory because I think what you're talking about is like fairly esoteric technical things that somebody might be doing as a piece of a larger thing that maybe isn't seen, but I, or, or seen their piece isn't seen as the broader thing, you know, just in thinking about the technical side of things. Um, so I, I would kind of try to think about how do I, break down either the process or, or understanding the, this thing that I'm doing to make it understandable to somebody else. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, so I'm, I'm just imagining, uh, let's say, let's say we've got uh, somebody listening who is working on a, on a SaaS, right? So maybe they're working on a CRM or something like that. Um, so they're, they're building, uh, you know, a web app that takes in contact info, you know, somebody's, somebody's name, you know, some, you know, the, the, when they were first contacted by, you know, their company, uh, you know, maybe some tags, uh, you know, photos or something like that. Right. So, so I think, I think most people could imagine a product like this. Um, what, what would you say, like, let's say that you were, you were in another part of the business, either in sales or marketing or something like that. Like, what would you what would you wish that the engineers knew or where do you typically find conflict with with engineering if you're in sales or marketing? Like what how can you how can you share, I guess, some of your perspective in a way that would be helpful for for an engineer in, in that part of the business? I see. OK, so I would say that in our, you know, in Funkhouse, we are designing and building websites that are meant to be high design and competing on hipness. And um, sometimes that requires uh, a proactive deft touch when it comes to the finish of the programming or the motion on that. So I, I think that putting putting yourself in the user's shoes, really, um, you know, thinking about how, how is somebody going to use this in, in, in a real scenario? You know, is this going to be um, enjoyable for me to use? Is this what, even if the design, even, even if, let's say that, I, I guess, yeah, putting yourself in the user's shoes and, and thinking about how it's going to be used and being empathetic with that person actually using the, the product. Um, and that might be, that might require being self, being critical on raising a hand saying, I'm not sure if this is the best user function that design passed over to me. You know, mm -hmm. this, this might be a better way to do it because I imagine, you know, thinking about the user using this, here might be the challenges that they'd experience knowing you know, from my experience. So I guess, you know, putting yourself in the user's shoes would be, um, you know, something that, from the client side, we're always doing, we're always thinking about, you know, we have a hand in creative direction and also like I'm talking about client services, just 
helping translate things across department because we're our our role on the daily is putting ourselves in the client shoes and thinking about you know is this usable is is the utility there do you ever wind is is it ever also sort of a situation where there's like multiple parties right where you're you're selling something to a client but the but they're not actually the one using it right like you're not you're not building them spreadsheet software that they're using you're kind of building them a web app or a website that their customers or users or 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 someone's going to interact with does that ever i don't know cause complications or is that something that that an engineer needs to to think about like in my mind that's almost like you got to you know it's almost like you got to win the demo before you worry about what the the real thing is for and i'm just curious is that is that some kind of like nuance thing that, that maybe engineers aren't really thinking about? You know, it's, I think it definitely, in that scenario, an agency can be in a position to make strategic, like a recommendation from our experience, you know, knowing that the client, okay, the client may want this, but that's not always the best way. You know, it might just mm-hmm. be their, their, their own perspective on it. And it's important to kind of give your devil's advocacy and you give your devil's advocacy. And if they choose to, choose to ignore it, that's fine. But at least you've said it. I think we really believe in that here at Bunkhouse. And I mm-hmm. do think that we, in, in the people that we bring in, we want, we want a point of view. We don't want, mm-hmm. we don't want, we don't want somebody that's just um, a doer without asking questions. Yeah. So, you know, I think that if you have a technical point of view on how something is going to be used or can be better, I think it's really worth saying those things and voicing those things. Obviously, understanding the context that, you know, like at the end of the day, you're raising your hand. And if that is ignored or put to the side, that's totally fine. But to, you know, voice it and be proactive on that stuff, I I encourage, I think, in our team, because we want people that are bringing that sort of like give a shit attitude to things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not to be negative, but I feel like uh, conflict can be pretty um, illustrative. I mean, do you can you think of any time where there really was um, some sort of conflict or back and forth or client unhappiness that had to do with engineering or maybe a miscommunication between engineering and like another side of the business? I think that when it comes to clients and conflicts with engineering, um, that that probably has happened more in terms of. Um, no, I can't think of a specific example that's worth worth noting here. In- internally at the business, I think that we're very careful at not getting too far out over our skis on mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. using new tech because you know we have at any given time hundreds of clients that are on websites that we need to maintain, and making sure that you know you're only introducing new stuff that we always want to be bleeding edge, but not over the edge, right? So we always want to be thinking mm-hmm. ahead and doing cool stuff, but we never want to be so far out over that uh, if something were to break, it breaks across all of our sites. So mm-hmm. I think that I tell people at Funkhouse, whether you're in programming or client services or in design, that I, I want people to always be wanting to improve themselves and um, challenge themselves. And I also want that for the company. Like, I think that we're always thinking about doing better things. And I think the, the partners believe that too. Like, I always want to improve and challenge myself and grow the company. So that's why I bring up like, be willing to raise your hand and say, Hey, I think this can be done better, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to dig in so hard that it becomes, um, you know, a a negative energy. I think that it's worth voicing those things, but also understanding that within the context of an organization that has been doing things 
pretty pretty well for you know 10 years now and i think really open to change but knowing that that needs to be done iteratively and i think everybody gets that so we don't really ever have a huge um there's never really been a big tension there but i think that that's a that's a good tension to ride where it's like you you want to know that hey we always want to be pushing it but also in the context of things that we feel really comfortable doing so that we don't ever over promise and you get to that point where a client's really unhappy on the technical side um or, or that there's internal team you know strife because somebody wants to be doing something that is not being adopted. I don't, I don't think we've had that actually, because I think that everybody kind of gets it. Yeah, I was wondering if actually like, because uh, I, could, I could I could see it going either way, that that you have engineers who really want to push the boundaries because they don't want to use uh, what they consider older technology and they might be pushing to do something in a new framework or language or using some kind of new tool. Uh, and um, maybe you got, you know, the other side of the business saying like, whoa, well, you know, that might be a little bit risky. Um, we don't want to try something that we're not familiar with and then have something break and not be able to fix it or break in an unexpected way. But I could also imagine it kind of the other way where uh, you get the sense that the client really wants something new and, and, and novel and pushing for the use of something that hadn't really been done before. And then engineering could be the one that's, that's uh, pushing back a little bit uh, saying that that might be a little too risky. I can almost imagine that, that, it going either way. That definitely happens. That de I mean, because we also, I mean, for a long time, uh, especially in website design, uh, the kind of work that we do have been really focusing on motion and design and, you know, websites, not just being pages anymore, but, you know, stages that you bring things mm -hmm. on and off and the motion of that, the micro movements. And that's really a space that we need to compete in as sort of like a high design digital agency. And that's something for a long time we were really working to get and now we do it really well but also like there were moments in time where you would see young upstarts doing motion better than us but their sites wouldn't be usable you know like a lot mm. of stuff would break but it would be on you know an award site so you know from me from the sales side would be like drew we gotta man we gotta we gotta get our motion to this point because i don't you know we don't want to be the old dogs in the room and credit <laughs> to drew is like we're working on it but also like we can't push it so far that you don't have a page that's, you know, deep linkable or these things that like are clearly not usable on a site because we work with the scale of clients that need a certain function. So right. um, that that's that's the tension, you know, for sure. And I think it's a healthy tension where it's like, you know, hey, push it, but also um, do it with restraint and knowing, um, yeah, it's got to be functional. <laughs> yeah, by all means, build a beautiful glass bridge, but people got to be able to walk across it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, how... What was that like trying to really um, push the team forward and to be able to to um, grow that skill set? Was that was was that something that you really needed to rely on engineering and design to do? Was that a focused effort on maybe finding specialists to, to maybe teach people? Was it was it replacing people like what? How did that all shake out? That was definitely um, a collaborative process with design and, and tech kind of sharing notes on, you know, design pushing the ideas and saying, this is where we want to be with these designs. And um, really, Drew is the leader of that department. The, the, Drew is the head of technology. Um, mm -hmm. Thinking about how do we do that? And those are solving those problems is, I'd say, those are the most complex problems, like when you're really trying to do new things. So often that's unlocked by Drew and then mm -hmm. built into the system and practice of the company. I do think though that um, that point of view, just in thinking about like 
your podcast being for people trying to grow their career and going from junior to senior, you know, and what, how do they package themselves and sell themselves? I think that the point of view that I mentioned and wanting to see from people or the, you know, your unique perspective might be that one thing that they have, you know, like there's certain fundamentals for a job that you need, you know, okay, for tech, you know, you need to, if you're, if you're hiring or you're interviewing for a job, you know, the language that you need to be relatively adept in, but then having that other sort of X factor, let's say that might be motion or, um, you know, some other thing that you're passionate about, I think is a really interesting uh, thing as a candidate because it shows, oh, you know what, they're, they're, they can do this job fundamentally. We can get them where they need. And also they have this other thing that makes them interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that Drew talked about like motion being a really interesting thing and um, in programmers, developers these days, you know, that is a skill set, which I would echo. Um, and we have team members here that are really interested in that and pursuing it and trying to push it. It was unlocked by Drew, but I think everybody is, um, you know, kind of chipping away at new ideas when it comes to the, it comes to that, that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, in my head, I see, I see some, some similarity between you, uh, talking to potential partners or clients and, and figuring out what they want and getting to the point where they, they decide, yes, I must have uh, funk house. And I see, I see parallels to maybe an engineer, uh, talking to a hiring manager, uh, possibly figuring out what they want and convincing them that that yes, if you hire me, uh, you're going to get what you what you want. Is that something that that you see as well, or is it a fundamentally different beast when you're trying to sell the services of a company compared to uh, how an individual might approach getting a job? No, I don't think that. I don't. I think that there are similarities. Um, when we're when I'm thinking about a new partner and pitching a partner uh, on Funkhouse and our services, we, it's a combination of elements. It's what we've done in the past, our capabilities and like knowing that we can do the work being asked. And it's also um, sort of a fit, a cultural fit. And I think that there's always, it's a, it's, you have to take risks together uh, in the, in the client partner relationship. The client is, you know, trusting that you can, can do the work and uh, figure it out. And you're trusting that that client's going to be there to read you in on who they are and give you everything you need to succeed. And I would say that in the hiring situation, that's really similar, actually, because you you think about like kind of what I was mentioning that to apply for a job, if they have certain sort of dot points on what the requirements are, you need to be able to say, hey, yeah, I can, I can do these things or I, I have the potential to do these things. But I think that the other piece of it is fit and cultural fit and value, um, values that you share. So, I mean, we're, we're a small medium agency and really put a lot of value on, um, culture fit, you know, is this person going to be here and do they get what we were doing and are they going to enjoy it? You know, we're going to be in the office together as a small team. And so we hire based on culture fit and I think also potential and there's things that you can, can teach skills processes and stuff and then there's that other thing that you can't really teach because it's like a ephemeral feeling it's like culture or values or like do i get these people do i vibe with them so mm-hmm. i would say as an individual if i'm going to a company like if i I'll, I'll just put it this way like if i'm looking at candidates for uh developer candidates here at Funkhouse because i'm involved in those interviews i don't i don't know the ins and outs of programming language and in those interviews i go silent or dark for a period of time while they're talking about code and I know a little bit, but I'm not really like, you know, I'm not the one that's asking the questions in those moments, but 
what I'm looking for is I'm looking for like, is this person a cultural fit? Do they care about what our, we're doing? Are they interested in the work? So as I would to your audience, if they're listening and thinking about applying for a job, you know, you want to think, hey, do I have the fundamentals to be able to do this job? And then also I should like really do a deep dive on this company and understand what they're about, see if I share those values and that culture and be like ready to talk about that enthusiasm in the room. Because if I see that as a hiring, as somebody hiring, I'm excited about that person and growing with us. So I might think, hey, you know what? Maybe they don't have like the full skill set in terms of like that dot points we want, or they're not as as senior a developer as we wanted for this role. But we, I believe in them and I believe in them staying with the company and their, their cultural fit for us to be able to see that potential through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know um, with one of my clients uh, very recently, um, I was I was in the interviews for this, and there was a candidate who um, came across as not senior enough for the for the role that mm-hmm. they wanted to fill. Um, it was almost like very clear that they were um, didn't have the experience, and they they the role was was the senior level thing and and they were not um they were not at that level but what was also really clear is everyone really loved them mm. and started really trying to figure out yeah, where else yeah where else could you put this person um in the company and um and ultimately yeah they 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 wound up getting getting a very very similar job uh just you know a little bit more adjusted and tailored for for them um and i think that's 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 a probably an important thing for people to recognize that that it is not just about the technical chops or the seniority um if you if you really are able to exude that energy and that interest and the ability to solve problems and get yeah, in there and work with huge yeah. yeah get in there and work with people um that can be more than enough to get you over over the line and into a role that that would be quite enjoyable for for everyone involved um yeah exactly. yeah can you can you walk uh can you walk me through a little bit about what is involved in in now this would be more for for partners and and pitching and and trying to sell Funkhouse. can you can you walk me through like what goes through your mind what's that process like like how do you how do you approach that yeah so in terms of uh speaking with a, a prospective client you mean like bringing them on board yeah. Uh, or, yeah. or pitching them on you know working with Funkhouse? yeah i mean like i'm, I'm i you know uh in my mind because i'm 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 trying to think of the the parallels between uh, an engineer, you know, maybe reaching out to a, to a company that's hiring, maybe talking to the hiring manager in an interview, uh, mm. those types of things. Um, but you know, obviously, that's not what you do day in day out. But you know, I'm, I'm a little bit curious to to hear uh, just what your world and your processes is like, and 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 you know, with an ear towards just seeing if there's any kind of crossover. Um, right, yeah. But, you know, not I don't really want to influence your answer in that way, but that but I am curious, like, OK, you want, you know, you want Funkhouse to get hired. How does that all work? How do you how do you make that happen? How do you do your job? Yeah. So uh, first contact with somebody is um, 
always, I think, just getting to know them and the, and the, the room and the team that you're talking to. So um, I obviously do research, you know, I'm thinking about like, who is this, who is this company? What do they want from Funkhouse? You know, what is their vibe and prepare myself for that call just to be able to talk to their industry, maybe already have some ideas on the challenges they're facing, um, be ready to share work examples that are relevant to them and work experiences. So I have all that kind of prepped going into the call, but usually it's not like a formal mm-hmm walkthrough or capabilities deck walkthrough that first interaction is i think uh get to know you um and i'll always offer up you know the history of funk house and talk about sort of our development our offerings how we approach work with an eye towards catering toward you know catering to them and sort of pitching them you know our skill set in that way um but you don't want it to be a monologue like i always i i start there and, and always try to throw it to them and ask about who they are you know talk about their company and get them talking. I think if you get into a phone call and just have it be a monologue the whole way through, it's it's no good. So you, you got to have that dialogue to begin. And um, it's it, it's sales, but it's relationship building. It's um, you know ha- having fun with them on the call and 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 sharing stories. But um, you know, I, you, I'd say what are you looking for when you're when you when you say that you're getting to know them? I think you already said you're 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 a little bit curious of uh, about what they might be struggling with or, or looking for, but what, yeah, what do you, when you say that you're getting to know them, like, what do you, what do you want out of that? I mean, I'll, I'll ask, um, even to the individual, you know, what's your history of the company? What have, what have you been doing? Um, and you know, also where are you right now? What's the weather like? All those questions just loosen it up. Um, mm-hmm. but, it, it, and then I will ask about you know, what, what are the ambitions for the company? You know, what do you want? And when you get them talking in, in the room and, and hearing about like what they see as success in a project or what they're looking to get out of this new website project, you're immediate, you're, you're clocking things in your mind that you sort of touch on. So it gives you ammo to think mm-hmm. about, Oh, you know, you just talked about how you wanted a way more, um, you know, narrative approach to, to the storytelling of your brand online. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to reference that in my next comment about work that we've done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just taking mental note of what you're saying so I can repeat it back and phrase it in a way that says, hey, we've done this work. We've been, we've, we've crossed those bridges. And, you know, I think that's a great idea. And here's how we would do it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, getting them talking and then that gives you ammo to make it feel, I mean, it's really catered to them. It, it is catered to them, but it is, you know, honestly a sleight of hand to be like, hey, I'm going to, pick up on things that are needs, you know, and I'm going to tell you how we can answer those needs the way we've done them before. So those first meetings are usually pretty loose. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going into a boardroom or something like that, you always need to be prepared for like a more formal walkthrough. I mean, I was just going to say, like, I really like, uh, I I like what you said right there, right? You're, it's almost like before you do anything else, you want to know what they want. Like it kind of just seems like if you if you weren't able to figure that out, you're you're kind of flying blind. Like you don't you don't even really want to talk about what Funkhouse has done in the past and how it's made other companies successful until you know more or less what they're looking for, what their pain points are, what their you know what opportunities they're interested in, right? Otherwise, it becomes a it becomes a one way conversation that's too sanitized. It's just this one way presentation where it's like. This is who we are, and it's not really about them, which is not is not the point. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you want to give enough to say, "Hey, like this is who we are." Do you understand the? Have I molded Funkhouse into the? Have I molded this ball of clay into something that's understandable? Yes. Okay. Cool. Let's talk about you, 
And then, mm-hmm. yes, that's going to get me going and warmed up on how we're answering your questions and challenges. Um, that That's, yeah, otherwise it's very stale and very salesy. I mean, and I think that it's mm-hmm. like why maybe I'm good at sales is like, I don't like being salesy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, so, you know, I think, I think a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of listeners and a lot of people out there, like when they hear sales, um, they probably think of something like a used car salesman, you know, really, right. try, or like a high pressure timeshare, you know, type of deal. Uh, and that has some real negative connotations um mm-hmm. and it probably probably makes it so that a lot of a lot of engineers just never really want to read a book on sales or they they don't really think about learning the craft um and what i like about what i just heard is look this is literally your your job um and <laughs> what you are most interested in is like okay what do they want how can i help mm-hmm. them and until i yeah. figure out until I can put myself in their shoes and figure out what they're actually like, where they are and where they're trying to go, you you kind of don't even really want to continue. Um, and that service mentality, I think, is so important, especially for engineers mm-hmm. who I consider to be in a phenomenal place to help a lot, a lot of people. Um, so, so what happens? So what happens next? I mean, do you you kind of feel like you've gotten a sense of of what they what they're looking for is it really just a like okay well here's here's how we can help you or is it a little bit more subtle like yeah what what happens next yeah it all it, it kind of depends on it always depends right um but usually i'm trying to move towards next steps not being scared about not being scared of talking about those um openly you know saying hey you mm-hmm. you reached out to do business let's let's talk about it so you know after mm-hmm. this i'm I'm either going to step away and proactively write a proposal or I'm going to ask you questions that help me get to that point. And um, then I'm, you know, it's the process I'm going to ask for the business, you know, Um, but that, that is a proposal. That next step is just about, um, I think, putting some thought to it and thinking about, you know, what is our approach here and how do I put process to this? Kind of like I was mentioning earlier, you know, how do I, how do I, Mm -hmm. we use the word demystify at Funkhouse a lot. How do I demystify this for them so it feels like a breath of fresh air and they they feel like i've heard what they've said and i can put it back to them in a clear tangible way that they feel safe uh and mm-hmm. they know what they're going to get out of it and that for us is writing a proposal that breaks it down and has structure broken down in it and process so it's like very clear and transparent mm-hmm. um well, i mean when yeah. you think about this like what kind of like model or metaphor uh is in your mind is it kind of like a map where it's sort of okay here's where you are in this red x and then here's where you're trying to go and here's you know the route that we're going to take or is it a different is it a different type of thing where uh you know here's here's the object that you want and here you know here it is 3d rendered or whatever and we're going to build it for you like how do you how do you de- demystify that for a client like how do you how do you make that clear yeah I think it is more, I think it's like a roadmap in a way, um, because we're taking a journey together and we don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know the final result. And it's not my job as the person talking to them for the first time to solve that, nor is it like they shouldn't know yet. And that's where like, it's like, you know, starting this relationship together is like, we're both, we're both jumping into this with uh, the mutual interest in helping each other. I'm, I'm going to try to get to know you. You're going to help me get to know you. And so it's a roadmap saying like the way that we do that is through this process. That's, you know, a system of 
checks and balances, these milestones we go through. We know, okay, we're going to go through A, B, and C, and there's soft lanes if we get it wrong, just so you feel you know good knowing that we're going to start by hearing you. We're going to show show you what we think we heard, and then you know we'll tweak and adjust, and, and you're going to have sign-offs all the way through. So it's basically saying when we start this, we're starting on a journey together, and at the end of it, you're going to be happy because there's all these milestones we need to move through throughout it that have your input mm-hmm. um so yeah i guess more process laid out sand um don't worry here's 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 what the end result could look like like you have to have scope around something you know here's what it could look like i'm gonna i'm gonna you know kind of put some guardrails and controls around that because we need to figure out how to price this thing we don't know the final form it's going to be something like this and then here's the process to get there and actually figure out what it is together mm-hmm. How much, you know, at this point, how much is it, you know, talking about an outcome versus uh, an implementation? Um, like, what's what's kind of the breakdown? I mean, like, how how technical do you get, or how how in depth do you describe the the mechanics of what you're going to be doing, or is it more, you know, one of the phrases that that I feel like I, I bring up a lot is. Um, you know, people don't buy quarter inch drills, they buy quarter inch holes. Like how much are you talking about the hole versus the the drill? It is always, it's, it depends on the service and it, it but you know, if we're developing a web app and we know that there's certain, we know certain things about it and we don't know a whole lot of other things, then I think that you still want to have, you still want to have a process that says we're going to get to this outcome, but that outcome could be very, it could be, have a lot of var- variance to it. It could be medium, big, or it could be big, big. <laughs> and um, I yeah. think that being able to kind of put down exactly what you're after, at least in loose form is a good start. And then you might end up having like, you know, a range of outcomes and, you know, it could be, it could cost you this much or it could cost you that much. It could be this big or that big. So um, I still really do believe in like trying to put down a little bit of, of what you're after, but then having flexibility to not be super directive because somebody will look at that and say like, you don't know me, you're not giving enough room for this to maybe evolve during the process. You know, what is, where is the strategy piece here? We haven't even talked about that. So we have to get in the room, understand strategy, understand them. And there needs to be that sort of partnership to be able to hear from us, like, hey, actually, like we've learned so much more since we first started working together. This is actually our recommendations have changed, and um, you know, it looks like this now. Um, yeah, as I'm saying this stuff, do you do you think it it relates to sort of thinking about junior developers and what, what you know, I guess um, processes for them and thinking about their careers? Where where does your mind go? Yeah, I mean, uh, junior developers, I think it's a little bit tough. I think junior developers have a little bit of a disadvantage in the sense that they may not be entirely certain of their skills, and um, they are often going to be a little bit more hesitant trying to promise uh, an outcome. So if I, if I were to you know translate this for... Um, you know, for developers, I think the most important thing that you said that I really hope that everybody listening takes to heart is that first step really should be a very clear understanding of what they want, like where they are, where they're trying to get to, how they see the world, where they see the challenges, um, what opportunities do they see. And I think without having a really, really good understanding of that, um, everything is going to be much harder. And so mm-hmm. that's the thing that I think is is one-to-one, like don't pass go until you really internalize that. Um, and and that are, you probably, thinking about, 
are you thinking about that in the context of you know their relationship with managers or a relationship with a prospective employer? Like for this, I, I was thinking about yeah. yeah. For this, I'm thinking about for for a hiring manager. Um, yeah. And kind of understanding the the right. company internally. I think it's it's. Uh, it's a little bit different, right? Because internally, you're not really winning business. Um, you're more often going to just be told uh, what you're doing. And in many cases, if you're signing up and proactively trying to take on a project, you don't really, you're not really in competition for other people, you know, with other people for the most part. Um, trying to, like, in my head, I'm just trying to figure out if that's actually true. I think for the most part, if you're proactive and you're like, hey, I want to do this project um, uh, that you know someone wants, uh, you're kind of, you're most likely going to get it. I don't think that that really, you need as much uh, selling at that point. Mm. Uh, I'm slowing down because I can also imagine that this is a little bit of a blurry line between something that engineers like to do very often, which would be something like, hey, um, I want to spend some time refactoring this whole thing. Every time we we go into this, uh, it's really slow. You know, every, you know what should be quick changes always cause a lot more bugs, or it takes so much more time because we have to go in and manually change all these things. And why don't we just, uh, you know, can I just have a dedicated, you know, month where I uh, rejigger this whole thing so that it's better in the future. Uh, that would mm. definitely take, that would definitely take sales. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say that I think that word demystifying, like if people are thinking about relationships between tech and client services and the rest of the business, demystifying tech is, and, and getting into layman's terms to translate that to people that are non-technical is really important. And if you think about like, Hey, yeah, like you're saying, I want to sell this project internally. Well, if you can break that un down understandably to like, you know, what is it going to take? How long is it going to take? What do those phases look like in layman terms? That's going to be really helpful for you to be able to sell that idea rather than it just being a big, yeah. you know, one statement. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, but again, it's like I go back to the single most important thing that would make that successful is having a really, really good understanding of what the stakeholder is actually interested in, who who, right. who yeah. that decision maker is. Like if that's your engineering manager, you would have to be really certain that they, that they agree that it's a problem that every time they want you to make a change or somebody on your team to make a change, it's taking longer than expected. And if you were to put two months of time up front into making everything faster in the future, uh, you should be very clear that that's attractive to them, and that's that's that step of figuring out where they are, what they want to, where they want to go, what's important to them. And if you skip that step, uh, what is likely uh, to happen, or what what it opens the door to, is you basically saying like, "Hey, can I spend two months to to speed this up so that future requests are uh, faster?" They might say, hell no, this is the last <laughs> request we're ever, you know, going to ask of you. And then we're, we're, you know, uh, we're discontinuing this thing. And so, no, you're not spending two months like working on this thing that we're about to throw in the, in the dustbin. Um, so uh, that type of understanding is really important. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm I think, mostly I, I, thinking, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think that's also like, you know, what you're getting at is like, um, buy into the vision, you know, understanding where if you're thinking about 
your employer and um, the vision of the company. If you if you're have that in the back of your mind and, and wanting to contribute to that idea, I think people will always say yes, or or at least be open to that idea and being willing to hear it because it's like oh, it shows that this person like does care and, and is thinking about my my interests and the company interests. You know, it's bigger than them. So that that would be a good place to always have your mind kind of falling back to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think mostly when I'm listening to you, um, uh, talking to prospective clients, I think I am, I'm really thinking of people talking to hiring managers. And so I think junior developers have a little bit of a disadvantage in the sense that they don't much in the much in the way that Funk House has a bunch of success stories in the past where they can point to, hey, we worked with this client, this is what they wanted. And then after we got involved, like it was a huge success. They, you know, had so many customers, you know, they didn't know what to do with or they won all these awards or whatever, whatever they wanted. Um, junior developers don't really have that. So it is really important in the beginning to, to figure out what the company wants um, and to dig a little bit deeper and um, to the point that they uh, understand why and the business case and uh, figure out if that's actually the problem space that they want to work in and those are the customers that they want mm. to help out. And um, I think values wind up being somewhat important at that stage. I think it's possible that I think it's possible that junior devs don't have a really clear idea of what values are important to them. One of the ones that I bring up on this show a lot just by way of example is, um, you know, because they're two very well-known companies. Uh, Facebook popularized the phrase, even though they say they don't ascribe to this anymore, but they popularized the phrase, move fast and break things. And mm. I cannot imagine a more un-Apple phrase. Like that is not... <laughs> that I would ever imagine being uh, talked about at Apple, you know, who famously has, you know, the most perfect demos ever and everything's mm -hmm. well choreographed. And they don't, they never, like their attitude never really seems to be like, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll put out the first version of, you know, the iPhone and see what people like and, you know, whatever. It's no, every, everything, everything that they put out, all their marketing and everything is like, no, this is this is perfect and permanent and whatever. Very measure twice, cut once. And yeah. I I think if you are an iterator um, and you like to move fast and break things, you you have a bias for for action and you want to get data back. Hey, let's just put this out there to 10% of the users, see what they think. If they like it, then, then cool, we know something's there. You may be really frustrated at a company that doesn't operate that way. They, right. They oh, yeah. have very, very careful designs. And uh, when they put something out, it is it is perfect and and there's a lot less iteration. And I think a junior dev may not know. I think I think that is that is another disadvantage is, is they they probably should trust their gut. Um, but uh, it's it's tough to say that 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 is something that they could do. No, I mean, but also you're getting at like there's there's no wrong or right in that scenario. You know, you can find a place for yourself if that's something you want. And like, I think the first step is finding those companies that share your values, even if they might not have a job posting or a job listing out there. And it's like, be proactive in reaching out and saying, hey, I love what you're doing. Like, I would love to talk like, you know, that can often get you a, a long way oh, because yeah. you're, you're genuine and organically hitting them up, like, because you believe in what they're doing, like. That that you know, if 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 I were ever to not do Funkhouse, it would be that it would be looking at shortlisting the companies that 
um, are aspiring and share values and then just trying to talk to somebody there. Yeah, it's hard to overstate how attractive that is from within a company. Um, You you always are going to get much better work out of people who are really enthusiastic about your mission, like the way that your company is operated. And so that's always going to, in terms of selecting or wanting to hire someone, it's always going to be a huge boost if you get the sense that, oh, if I hire them, they're going to be they're going to be thrilled to work here. You know, they're going to love working on these problems because that's that's where you get the best work out of people. So that's that's really difficult to to overstate. But to kind of tie it title back to to maybe a, a mid level developer or or definitely I feel like senior developers really need to internalize this is first step definitely get get a good understanding of what the company what the hiring manager is looking to do and then um then speak to that you know like you mm-hmm. you were saying that it's almost like a trick uh, to then echo these things back to them, but it's not. It's showing that you're actually listening. It's showing that you want to serve them. It's what you you are trying to figure out how to get them to their to their goals. And I think developers can do this too. I mean, I think if somebody is saying, you know, that they, you know, and and I think one of the I don't know if I really want to call it a danger, but but one of the things that can happen is that. Um, especially for engineering positions, is you want to talk about the implementation, right? So you might say like, oh, what are you trying to do? And they might say, oh, we're converting our app to Next.js and we want to do server-side rendering and, and whatever. The temptation might be able to say like, oh, yes, I've done that before. I've used Next.js. I've done server-side rendering. But I think what is is probably a little bit better the more senior you are is to figure out why. And so a good reason why that might be is for SEO. Um, you know, if everything is is dynamic, then the bots, I mean, this is less and less true, but uh, the bots can't really index it and anything is SEO or content based. That's a that's a huge um, problem for organic rankings. Again, I'm a little bit skeptical that this is still the case, but we're just going to roll with the example. That's um, the, the black magic of it, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and so getting clear on wait is this for SEO and they might say like oh no no it's it's actually for first paint right you know we've heard that um, if if uh, there's you know loads the single page app and then there's requests after the fact then that additional round trips really like slows things down and that that's what we're trying to do and so knowing why is really important because even if you haven't done anything with Next.js and you haven't done anything with server side rendering you can talk about oh yeah there was this app that I that I worked on and we also had a first paint problem or we had performance issues and so a lot of my time that I spent was on getting that up and making it more responsive and over the time you know that i was there we improved the you know the the page load time by you know 300 percent or something like that and that's kind of what you were saying right it's you want to really understand what they want and why and not being satisfied with the like oh this particular tool and just knowing like why they want to use the tool and then speak to the outcome and then show you know what your experience was and and the success story that that you had or at least just your experience showing that you do care about that problem you have put time into it in the past this is something that you have thought a lot about and and it's going to reduce a lot of that uncertainty um they can become a lot more confident that oh yeah if i get you in here you're going to be able to make things better for me which is really what you should be pushing towards you always want them to 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 be 
you want to get to the to the place where they're thinking like, oh, yes, if I embark on this relationship with you, my life is going to be better. I can trust you to be in service to me and my and my goals. And, yeah. And if uh, you've if you've spent the time to also like prep for that conversation and like care about the company, then like I think hopefully it is more a conversation than it is like them interrogating or vice versa. You know, you don't want to be asking too many questions. You're generally curious. Like you want to yeah. like interrogate that question in a, in a curious way and saying, I am interested in that. And um, yeah, like asking them questions about it is reminding you of things in the past that have, that might spark relatable experience you have. So, you know, just going into it and feeling like, Hey, I'm building a relationship here and this you, they want this to be a mutual fit also you know they, this this is something that um we're, you know at, whenever we bring people in the interview i say to them that they're interviewing us as well and trying to see if this is a place that they can see themselves working long term if there's a fit there because we want that also we want people right. here that are thinking about that yeah i you know i think people hear that a lot and i think um you know if somebody's really looking for a job maybe it's their first job i think it's very hard for them to see that right i think it's very hard for them to imagine yeah, that they're definitely a lot of pressure in that scenario <laughs> but um i think i think the best advice that i can get is that you want to be curious and you want to be the reason why you want to be interviewing them and you want to to see if it's a place that you want to work is not so much that you're trying to disqualify them which is scary right because you you feel like there's a limited number of jobs. By the way, there isn't. But if you feel like there's a limited number of jobs, you're going to be very hesitant to cross one off the list for you know mm -hmm. for some reason that that you know that they say. But mm -hmm. but what you want to do is you want to be looking for things that that you find exciting and that you can be enthusiastic about. Because as soon as you find something that makes you excited and enthusiastic, that enthusiasm is going to be contagious. And that's probably one of the most attractive things that you can do in an interview is be excited about their problems. And so looking for those things and interviewing the company, you know, like you said, like flipping it around is is going to give you an opportunity to find things that you care about or are interested in. And once you find one of those things, it's going to give you a huge advantage. Absolutely. I mean, enthusiasm and interest, you know, is huge. And, you know, it's, it's coming from a genuine place. <laughs> and it's, right. uh, it, that's, that's, if you have that and you are a problem solver and you're resourceful, then, I think those things come together in a very powerful way because that person realizes, hey, you know what, this person's excited to be here and I'm going to give them challenges that maybe they don't know right away, but over time they're going to figure them out and we can we can grow them internally. And um, they have that other fit, which is the culture, value, enthusiasm piece that can't be learned. You need to have that or be interested in what we're doing. Oh, yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. Uh, hey, Nick, this has been great. Where can people find out more about you online? So you can find Funkhouse at www.funkhouse.us. That's F-U-N-K-H-A-U-S. Um, and, you know, all of our socials out there linked from the site. I have a LinkedIn profile if anybody wants to chat. Last name dies, spelled like a sentence, Nicholas Dies, D-I-E-S. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's all I got to plug, you know. Um, find us downtown awesome. L.A doing cool stuff awesome. <laughs> <laughs> perfect i'll put uh put links to that in the show notes and uh hey nick thank you so much for joining me today thanks for having me david i hope it was some uh some good meandering uh, alleyways we traveled <laughs> oh, absolutely all right folks that's it for this week i'm david gutman and i hope you join me again next time for junior to senior 
Having trouble finding senior front-end and full-stack engineers? Sponsoring JSLA is one of the best ways to get in front of the best JavaScript devs in Los Angeles. To learn more, head over to js.la sponsorship or send me an email at david at js.la.